You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show, recording live here in downtown Batuta. A lot's been going on over the last couple of years. We say that at the start of every interview, but um, we're not going to talk about this uh, this virus. That's not what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the other developments that have been taking place in the global economy. Of course, the virus that we're not going to talk about has created a lot of hurdles in the global economy, but there's been some developments, and it's been a changing landscape. But Tudor Advocate were uh, pioneers of uh, reporting on cryptocurrencies in Australia, well before any of the uh, major newspapers. And today we're talking about something else. We're talking about a little thing called NFTs. Now, are you familiar with NFTs, Errol? Yes, yes, I am. And I'm, I'm actually shocked that you are considering you don't even use net banking. No, no. absolutely not. I don't, I don't trust. We've only just got you onto smartphones. I don't trust, um, you know, and rightly so. There's a healthy scepticism towards anything uh, that involves a computer. Luckily, I, we were convinced to take the newspaper online, though, all those years ago, because that scepticism nearly buried us. But I guess that is what NFTs are. Internet-based. Internet-based. and uh, On computers. And it's yeah, it's something that is yep. solely dependent on, on computers. I, I guess a um, an industry, would you say? To talk about this concept of NFTs today, we are joined by a um, world-famous graffiti artist. We thought that today's guest, Scotty Marsh, might be able to explain this a bit better as someone who, I guess, has been involved in many dark arts over the years. <laughs> There's the uh, murals you've done, commissioned or otherwise, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, of course, now delving into the Wild West known as the NFT. Can you... Uh, introduce yourself, Scotty. You've been on the podcast before, but um, would you like to explain to the listeners your background? Uh, my background. So I'm a, I guess originally I was a graffiti artist in the most traditional sense. So mm-hmm. running around, painting trains, throwing rocks at security guards, just that typical kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that very, brought, very offline behavior. Yeah, very offline, very much in the real world. Mm-hmm. And then from that, that kind of evolved into painting larger scale murals painting a lot of murals around political satire and stuff like that and social commentary so yeah that's kind of where i'm at now and you're joined today by a uh, i guess a partner in grime in the shape <laughs> of adam decatta and would you like to uh, introduce yourself hey i'm adam um yeah i work on i uh, work with scott on um some nft strategy um and uh, implementation of the blockchain just uh, a guy from melbourne that has gone way too deep into the blockchain itself and, and come out for a fresh breath of air. So, yeah. Now, Adam, in that brief introduction, you've used a few words that the average listener may not be familiar with. I won't ask yeah. you to, to explain them no, one by one. 80% of our listeners, uh, they listen to this TV show in land cruisers, in, in tractors, <laughs> when they're cutting about town in the car. So, for those people, the, the the absolute complete layperson when it comes to things such as the blockchain and NFTs, cryptocurrency in general, what is an NFT? Okay, so uh, it's no different from what you would receive if you bought a purchase like you know some memorabilia, for instance. Yeah. Um, and there's a letter of authentic- uh, a letter of authentication that says that on this date, this person may have signed this or kicked a football with it, and this is the 
product that's you know that there's someone selling for that yep. reason so um that letter of authentication is a piece of paper right in most cases that has a stamp of approval from either the person that's verifying it or an entity that's verifying it the blockchain and digital nfts which are these digital tokens is the same thing but on a ledger so yeah. on a, on the blockchain or on the internet itself so you know um at this point in time we can prove that this piece of digital art was created by you know we'll use scott as an example mm -hmm. scott and it's at this time that someone bought it and purchased it so it's a digital letter of authentication is yep. the best way of explaining something like this yeah, I found the yeah. easy. I found the easiest way to because it took me a long time for the penny to kind of drop with this kind of stuff, and the best kind of way that I found to kind of wrap my head around it is, it was a way of giving authentication to digital assets. So you always think of, you know, we live in a physical world, so you you've got this bottle, you know, that's a bottle, whatever. On, on the computer, you've got a piece of digital art, and it's mm. never had any value before because you feel like you can just right click save, and then you've got it for free. Yep. Whereas in the physical world, you'd have the Mona Lisa. You can get a perfect replica of the Mona Lisa, but it has no value whatsoever. Yeah. Just the Mona Lisa has the value because that's the authentic original piece of art and everything else is a copy. Yep. So that's the best way that I kind of found to kind of wrap my head around. So for people creating digital work, it gives them an avenue to actually create work that's authentic, that's theirs, that they can sell, that retains its value. And for people like me who create work in real life on the street that just gets fucking destroyed all the time by mm. people who don't agree with the message or <laughs> yeah. councils paint over it or just the nature of painting outside the weather takes its toll i have a way of creating work putting that on the blockchain in a digital space so then i've got this authentic digital piece of that work and a piece of memorabilia from that work that lasts forever mm -hmm. and the possibilities digitally it's like a whole nother tool when making art it's like a whole nother color on your palette you know what i mean yep. so basically anything's possible once you start thinking you can animate things and do all this other stuff yep it's pretty exciting for, for me as an artist yep. um especially with a lot of my old murals because like take the george michael mural for example that i painted then it was destroyed then it was fixed then it was yep. destroyed again then there was a second iteration of the mural i'm kind of working on a on creating those murals digitally and telling the story of the murals with that digital piece, yep. if that makes sense. So yep. it's not just the physical artwork, it's the whole story that goes with it. The blockchain would be, I guess, uh, you could explain the blockchain where a lot of this stuff is legitimized as the internet's version of an auction house. Is that a way of putting it, Adam? It's one tool of it, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I think, you know, like what sort of Scott, I love his Mona Lisa um, <clears throat> interpretation because it, it's very true. It's sort of like the NFT is just an asset, right? It just so happens to be digital. But, you know, like the fact that you can trade that asset between you and I, so I could go and buy a collectible of some type or a piece of art that's being, you know, tokenized. It means that I can then put it on the marketplace and someone else can buy it. Uh, and it's all powered by the blockchain. So that timestamp, the owner of that wallet, via, you know, like it all, it's all there. So um, there's a true level of provenance to all of this. And the best part is, as an artist, if we're going to use that as the example, is that Scott also receives trailing commission from each purchase moving forward. Yeah. Um, which is epic and never been able to be done in real world. Um, in the real art, art world. Oh, yeah, for even, 
by the yeah, time crazy. by the time you're dead and your work's worth a, sh- a shit yeah. ton of money, no one no one from your family or your estate or anyone's getting a piece of that yeah. piece of that action. <laughs> so, can you tell us, Scott, then how you, as someone, as we we said, you came your formative years were spent putting up panels on council trains, running from the fuzz. You know, bulls on parade. Uh. After throwing rocks at them. <laughs> yep. They threw rocks at I me mean, first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, they're big rocks, like, like on the rails. They would they would hurt so much to get hit yeah, in the back you're of one the middle of them. Of, if you're in the middle of painting something and a track rock goes flying past your head, you're like, yeah. hey, <laughs> somebody's seen us. And, and so- how did you how did you find this this new realm like you obviously you your art went from uh the side of trains to the side of very like uh, scary overpasses to the side <laughs> of buildings yeah. you ended up in galleries this is real life this is not yeah, online yeah. and you've you know you've sold works alongside some of Australia's most famous artists how did you then look at the internet as the new way to to do what you do well i've been pretty fortunate just timing wise you know i was I just grew up as a graffiti writer mm-hmm. and then because of that I kind of hit the wave of street art when it became like the new art movement and yeah. I remember when graffiti and street art murals was completely frowned about yeah. upon by the establishment yeah. it still kind of is in this country unfortunately yeah. so I've been at, on the cusp of kind of a new I guess art movement or new art revolution whatever the whatever you want to call it yeah. um, and this feels just like that it's new it's the kind of new I think huge art movement for visual arts but i think that just the technology in general is gonna impact all of our lives the same way that the internet does like you buy a ticket to the footy it's going to be an nft and if you want to scalp it you can scalp it but you know a percentage of that sale will automatically go back to the creator creator. yeah or you buy an album it's the same all these different things can be put on the blockchain so it's the technology is incredible but for me i feel like i'm I'm lucky enough to catch the wave potentially of two art movements, which yep. I think is pretty fucking rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, well, tell us. Uh, I mean, first, we've gotten this far into this interview without actually uh, explaining what NFT stands for. Yeah. What's that? Ask Adam. Adam. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, non-fungible token. Okay, so. that's that's pretty that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. So the difference between like a fungible token is, you know, like what, or what something fungible is like if, if you and I were to exchange like a $10 note, for instance, mm-hmm. yep. I give you a $10 note and you give me, you know, $10 in yep. coins, it's still the same Half value, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, a non-fungible item is something that can't be replicated or, you know, like so if I borrowed, you know, your car and then returned the same model of car, but it didn't have the air freshener in it and it had, didn't have the kilometers that it matched up to. Uh, it's not directly replaceable. Right. Okay. So I, I think, you know, like there's so much to go into with this sort of stuff, but one of the big parts of what a non-fungible token allows you to do is that you can say that a particular thing is of one or of a hundred editions. Yeah. And the power of that is that, you know, like I remember reading an article about a particular model of Ferrari that was released. And, you know, I think there was a couple of hundred um, that were meant to have been sold, but then um, they've done an audit and found out that there were more than what was said in the end that are available in market. Whilst here, you know, the way that blockchain and the technology can allow us to like verify things. If Scott says that this, he's selling 10 editions of this particular piece of artwork, 
that's all that can be because that's what's public knowledge on on the blockchain. There's nothing to mess around with. And if he does mess around with it, it's also seen there as another transaction. So there's some power in the fact that you can verify and authenticate via doing something like this. So yeah, the, the movement is forever evolving and it's still at a very vanilla stage of sort of understanding or even exploration within technology itself but it's super exciting to see that you know like i I love being transparent and i love the fact that we can be held accountable to something and you know the the power of the blockchain allows us to do these things in a technology that um sort of allows not just a revenue arm but you know that people can trade upon it and and you know like there are reasons to why people are paying absurd amounts of money to for these digital assets now that are verified by the blockchain yeah is because they can prove that you know there is a level of provenance that exists and you know imagine only having a one of one edition and the only one of one edition of something in the world like a wu-tang album like that one wu-tang album that martin's really bought correct yeah 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 and so they're like basketball (laughs) cards like there's a, a platform called nba top shots which um, is a joint venture with the NBA. I was really fortunate to get into it relatively early. I, I have no clue about NBA, by the way. So, you know, like it was a learning curve for me just to understand what players that I was unpacking out of like a, a pack of four. And, uh, you know, one of my colleagues and a dear friend of mine, David, pulled like a jersey number, which I, I learned all this whilst just mucking around with it, right? Um, and apparently a jersey number... Uh, for a player is more prestigious than getting a number one serial of something. And he, he pulled a jersey number Lamello ball, which Lamello yeah. um, is like yeah, yeah. this, you know, like this basketballer that, you know, is meant to be, you know, he, I think he broke his arm halfway through the season or something, <laughs> but, you know, like rookie yeah. listed, like even rookie of the year sort of card mm-hmm. moment. And um, this digital asset, you know, he got for $9 in a pack and was able to sell it for. Come on. How much? Um, like almost a Bitcoin at the time. So like probably like $55,000 plus a couple of other moments. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like pretty crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the reason why someone was willing to pay for that is that they can say that this was 100% the jersey number of this particular pack. And, you know, like, and it's now theirs, you know, and no one else can copy that. You know, like it's it's all validated on the blockchain itself. Does someone deem that value to be what it should be or not? And that's what the person wants to pay for it. That's what they're going to pay for it. But the, the reality is, is that, you know, like there are other basketball moment cards that, you know, these moments they call um, that we're selling for like $250,000 that came from a similar pot of, it is kind of $14 cool, packs, right? Yeah, yeah. they're kind of cool. I see, I'm a huge NBA guy. But instead of just getting a card, you're getting like the moment. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to buy the the game-winning shot from yeah. like the finals, blah, blah, blah. Really? Yeah, yeah and you've got the one of the, that shot, whatever it is. So an NFT yeah. is only really <laughs> worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah, it's like anything. Yeah, it's like art. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. You got Scott's got to tell you about his his prized possessions in his digital wallet at the moment. Yeah, Scott, because like oh, yeah. you know, you and I might not see the value, but Scott definitely did at the time, and, and others <laughs> did around him because like it's just some crazy crazy projects. Yeah, I fell out. into I so I was stuck in a fourteen day isolation, which I think a lot of people have recently, and by the end of it, I was going a bit nutty, mm-hmm. and uh, I spent an alarming amount of money on uh, crypto dick butts. Okay. 
Right. It's a series of little dudes that are like dicks with butts and dicks on their butts. So like a kind of, <laughs> like a, uh, I guess you'd say, like a Terry Denton cartoon kind of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. day my bum went psychos type stuff. <laughs> yeah, so they all have like different traits so and yep. different rarities of the traits. So there's okay. 5,000 of these dick butts and each one's unique um, and people trade them and stuff like this. So you got into about day 10 of isolation, you started getting into dick butts? That was day 13. Okay. So right. I was really starting to get... So can you tell <laughs> us about some of the NFTs that you guys own? I mean, like, like, what's the most valuable NFT you've got? Don't have to tell us your actual... You yeah. Know, you don't have to tell us your worth. No, don't like, tell us what you how think. much is it? Like, like how much is... Well, is I've been watching like this stuff from the sidelines for a long time yeah. until this kind of dick butt thing took over right. my uh, life for a few weeks. <laughs> but I have a very rare vampire dick butt with a pickle. Yeah. Yep. Pickle's rare. Yep. Yeah, that's my most... Okay. <laughs> my yeah, right. treasured NFT <laughs> And is it a valued asset? Is it accruing value? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to create generational wealth of dick butts. That's yep. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, like these are sort of glorified membership or community projects, right? So there's 5,200 crypto dick butts in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be part of that community, you need to buy into that crypto dick butt to get access yeah. to it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, like there's some really great wins and there's some major learnings and you know something in between and all of it you know like but it is it is very similar to baseball cards in their purest form you know mint condition yeah um and and you know uh, people who don't understand baseball or basketball would see no value in it. they'd see no value in it Uh, pokemon cards was a big one you know a lot of kids have held on to them and uh, and found value on the old holographic Charizard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, it really is a similar kind of thing. It's a similar concept yeah. where yeah. those on the outside don't understand this dick butt thing, but those <laughs> who are in on it, um, you know, the, there's there's value in it. It's a collectible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also with these kind of collections, they they double. Uh, like for me, they they become like a community token. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you're part of this kind of club. And you converse with all the other dick butt owners within Discord, <laughs> which is this um, kind of messaging app, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a big part of these NFT collections. It's just a better space to communicate, I've found. Mm-hmm. Social media is a... You kind of go in there, write someone off, yep. get out, where this is like an ongoing conversation kind of thing. So, so you guys are, I guess, the way it's kind of being described to us today is you guys are on the fringe. I mean, you're on the wave, Scotty, as yeah. in the same way you were on the wave of street art becoming sellable... Uh, collectible art in galleries you're now on the wave of this nft thing yeah are there people out there for example mainstream we're talking mainstream now like not on the fringe i mean was it the kings of leon released an nft album like what as far as this whole thing goes what are some of the you know milestone moments in this uh, mainstreamization of nfts um stephen curry yeah. From the Golden State Warriors. He just bought a Board 8, which is like a, one of these NFT collectible collections. Yep. It's one yep. of the more prestigious yeah, yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, There's and- a golfer too. Um, Bryson DeChambeau's got, got a bunch of, uh, like, you can buy an NFT of one of his long drives. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so, so it's like, this is an <laughs> NFT of my longest ever drive on tour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you own that moment kind of forever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. It's kind of, it's hard to conceptualize this because it's within the digital world and we're mm-hmm. out here in the physical world. Once the penny kind of drops, which takes a while, 
for me, my penny drop moment was dick butts, which yeah. is fucking hilarious. Yeah. But um, <laughs> once the penny drops, then it really does. So so it does recalibrate. You have to, like, it requires recalibrating. Whereas you, yeah. you buy a bunch of Picassos, the reason you, I mean, unless you're an absolute collector sicko, you're going to keep them stored out the back. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Can see them. But most people want to put their paintings on the walls in yeah, their yeah. house, right? Yeah. Or in, in a museum. It's, you've got to recalibrate how people view and and hold on to art, for, for example, with what yeah, you're yeah. doing. It sits in a wallet in your phone that you show people at dinner well, parties or... Well, a lot of people are using them as their... Or they're like on, in NFT Twitter, for example, it's almost become the equivalent, I think, of like rappers with their big gold chains. Yep. Everyone's using them as their display pictures. So mm-hmm. it's a big flex to have your expensive um, NFT as your display picture. Okay. And like Adam said as well, it's in such early stages, you know, there are people, you'll print out your NFT in a physical form or Mm. maybe you have a screen that rotates through your collection in your house or Mm. you just keep it on your wallet or you keep it online because it's a digital digital asset in a digital world. Yeah, but, you know, like you were just talking about that Discord community within Dickbucks, you could only verify yourself if you had that digital token, right? So there's multiple cases of utility but there's still been explored i think it's no like i don't know how many people who have a picasso actually have it on their wall and don't store it in some form of storage you mm-hmm. know for investment the same for a car that might be a, a classic or a you know a limited edition of like some a, type like a jay leno car yeah somewhere near an airport yeah <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. <laughs> totally you know like you know the the that holden hq that you know is now being wrapped around too many poles that yeah. now has you know that you know, the status that obviously it's not being reproduced, but, you know, and most of them are becoming rust buckets. But for the very few that are of the quality that they are, they've, you know, like, are they driving them every weekend? I'm not sure. But, yeah. you know, like there's a supply and demand thing here where, you know, limited demand and over oversupply will obviously drive prices to something that someone's willing to pay, right? So, so, so art is logical. Art makes sense. But as yeah. for like the mainstream goods and services that people know, you've just mentioned Holden vehicles. Um, <laughs> and it's pretty hard, to keep to one, it. pretty hard to keep one of them in your iPhone. But like, what are we talking here? Can you, like something that everyone would be familiar with is buying an album. Yeah. You know? Or buying a ticket to the footy. What kind of things that, that actually can uh, play a role in day-to-day life as opposed to just an asset that, that accrues value or doesn't? Yeah, so it's most, mostly like I, what, do I, what we explore is like digital utility. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like if, and, and there's some crazy things, right? Like try and wrap your head around this sort of stuff. But um, there's, <laughs> believe it or not, there's actually a, a multiple metaverses out there on the blockchain where there's virtual land and worlds. It's like, it's like you can Matrix. buy- yeah, right. Okay. So you can buy a digital land, you know, and you can build on that digital land and have a 3D model of your house. And, you know, like, it's, it is, and it's crazy. Like, I, I work with one of the projects, Decentraland. So, um, and it's completely decentralized. So, like, four years ago, 90,000 parcels of land were sold. And, you know, today there's multiple different buildings. Coca-Cola is doing stuff in there. Sotheby's is doing stuff in there. You know, like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's like crazy, you know, like, yeah. um, but if you hold, you know, this dick butt and dick butts have their virtual head office or like their, their virtual clubhouse in there, you can hang out with, you know, your peers only because you've got that digital wallet that, um, allows yeah. you to have that virtual all access pass and mm-hmm. you know like there's so much you can do digitally with these things but mm-hmm. at the core of it it's like 
what people are buying them in for is the hope that either that they really like it and that they don't plan on selling it and they want to be part of the community or that there are going to be people out there that see the appeal that they can sell this to. Yeah. You know, like it is a wild west, you know, like and very much financially driven out there in the crypto world. But what the technology is allowing people to do is have these verifiable assets, which, you know, like I've only ever sold one NFT. I've held on to every one of mine and I regret selling the one that I did. And mm-hmm. I don't know why I did, to be honest, because it was like... You, you sound know, like a boomer in the property market. <laughs> yeah. capital, capital gains tax, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, like yeah, the, the yeah. reality is there are a lot of people that flip, you know, and, yep. you know, like that, that sort of, you know, they make maybe a quick buck or they might lose a quick buck out of doing so. But, you know, the, the way that we're working with Scott on his project um, is, you know, that it allows you to get access to... We're going to create like a virtual... We might talk about the project in a sec, but, you know, like it gives you access to Scott, you know, it allows you to have, you know, like an opportunity to win things that he might be putting up. There's like we're doing this thing in the virtual world as well, which we'll probably explain shortly. But, you know, there are benefits for holding the token Mm -hmm. um, that are part of, you know, a glorified Scott Marsh community as such, not too different from what he might have on Instagram or Facebook. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we can't, verify audiences like we can on, on uh, almost yeah. like a digital like you know when you go to rsl you need your rsl card yeah it's almost like a digital version of that so yeah. you get all the benefits of having that card whether it's cheaper drinks or yeah yeah, yeah. whatever so you know basically what I mean? like early this week clancy and i released our fifth book and we did that through you know the normal traditional way of you know going to a book publisher through an agent and we did all of that stuff that's, you know, it's the same kind of method that's been done for, you know, hundreds of years. Whereas if we were just to release one copy of that book as an NFT, where the only person who can read it is the person who's got the NFT. Yeah. So do you think that's what's going to be the future where, you know, yeah. you, you can only say, for example, if we wanted to sell 250 copies. Yeah, say so you sold 250 copies of your book. Once you finish, once, you know, I buy one copy of those yeah. 250, I've finished reading it. What do I want to do with yeah. it? I'll sell it to someone else who hasn't read it yet. Yeah. In that sale, you guys will get a, a trailing commission of that commission. resale. Yeah. And then they'll sell it on to the next person like who wants to read it. And some people might keep gets, it as a, yeah. as a collectible. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So down the track it when someone really wants to read the first whatever it is. So this has the real potential to to shake up a lot of uh, industries. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, stop selling your soul. Okay. Well, the thing, as an artist, like you've got to, I guess as a musician, there's always been a concept of royalties. You know what I mean? Yeah. As someone who paints things, you don't get that. You've got to paint forever and keep selling work forever. And by the time your work has value... Other people own it. You don't mm. own it anymore, and yeah. they'll be selling it on the secondary market, making a packet. Yeah, and then you're in the studio still, <laughs> yeah, still yeah, trying yeah. to paint stuff. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> as a, it's completely yeah. flipped the whole art market and the dynamic, I think, yeah. and the relationships totally. between kind of galleries and artists and stuff yeah. on its head. Well, well you, you guys have still got me. I think you nearly lost me when we started talking about virtual land. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled out of that pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 there's layers to this shit. I know, oh, there's I, layers. Um, yeah. But before the people who are currently harvesting on real land parcels out in the um, you know the regional areas listening in right now, uh, before they switch off, we'll, we'll keep the momentum and we'll start talking about what you guys are working on. So you two have teamed up. Yeah, 
yeah, when all this stuff kind of started happening, I've been sitting on the sidelines for about a year, kind mm-hmm. of turning murals into digitalized versions of themselves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll have periodical calls with Adam and he'll blow my mind with some fucking <laughs> metaverse shenanigans. Metaverse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it all came about, he was explaining these generative NFT projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I'm, I'm creating one of these projects which will double as a community token like yep. we've been talking about. And they're basically bin chickens. They're called bin kings. Yep. So I've created... Bin chickens. So, so you're was, making your own dick butts. Your own <laughs> yeah, 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 in a yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a sense, yeah, right. So um, based on the, the beautiful... Uh, Australian ibis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The smelly yeah. flamingo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've hand, hand-painted six bin chickens, yeah. all in different colorways. I've hand-painted about a dozen different backgrounds to the image, all in mm-hmm. different colorways. And then I've created kind of pixelized versions of different traits, mm-hmm. and the traits being different hats, different sunnies. One's got pink eyes. Looks like he's been fucking sucking yep. a few too many bugs. Yeah. Chains, things on their chest, high vis, different yep. shoes, different items that they come yep. with, etc. So it's basically you've created Springfield. <laughs> Springfield with ibises. Yeah, yeah. The bin key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so basically, when you mint one of these, you get a randomly generated bin chicken that yep. each traits have different rarities, and then they become collectible. From yep. how rare they are, mm-hmm. and then they give you access to things with my work going forward. So okay, in the same way that you would a membership card to a club or mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah. So when are we going? When when are you launching these bin chickens? Uh this Wednesday coming. Okay. Nine a.m. Yeah. So there's six nine six nine of them. Six thousand nine hundred and sixty nine because. That's a funny Classic, number. classic, graph of stuff. <laughs> and they, <laughs> and they, co- they cost 0.069 ETH each. So basically you need to set up a digital wallet, have some Ethereum in that wallet, mm-hmm. which you can do. And on the website for our project, there's a whole basically how-to fact sheet. That yeah. Walk people through that step-by-step. Binkings.com. Binkings.com. B- yeah, B-I-N-K-I-N-G-Z. Okay, um, Z. Com. King, King yeah. Z. Yeah. Now... How many did you say you just done again? Six nine six nine six thousand nine hundred and sixty nine. You've done that many characters. So they randomly generate. Yeah. So basically, when you mint a bin chicken, yeah. you don't know what you're getting. It'll randomly generate from all those. Uh, there's about a hundred traits and all the yep. different colored bin chickens. Okay. And it'll kick out a bin chicken to you, and then you see next to it, it'll say, you know, two percent have this type of sunnies, twenty percent have this. High vis vest, thirty percent have a pinger. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it goes yeah. all the trades. You're like, wow, I got a rare one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you can either sell that or hold on to it and get the privileges that kind of come with it with holding yeah. on to one of those. Okay. So, yeah. just quickly, there's been a bit of criticism about, uh, you know, now that we're uh, you know in a heightened state of, uh, of of our carbon emissions and all this stuff like that, is that cryptocurrency transactions uh, they take a lot of energy and especially working with nfts that that most people don't consider critical to the world going around how bad are nfts for the environment um not well there's something that i grapple with especially in the beginning when this thing started booming about a year Mm. ago because obviously a lot of my work and a lot of my focus has been pretty yeah um focused on climate change and what's going on with the environment but i think it's it's a bit of misunderstanding that came through one article but adam's probably better to understand the ins and outs (laughs) and the minutiae of it because 
<laughs> yeah, the, the assumption was that, you know, like all like thousands to millions of these NFTs were being minted on the blockchain daily, for instance. And, you know, the, the concern was around what the effect would be. The reality is that on the Ethereum blockchain, no matter if we mint one NFT or a million, it doesn't actually change the output. So it's more of a concern with the blockchain technology at a whole. But at this point in time, yes, there is emissions. How do they compare to a lot of other things? It's, it's, it's very little, but most of the people that are concerned with it are saying, do we actually need it or not? Yeah. When, you know, the reality is that uh, this technology is forever evolving. There's more upgrades to these blockchains moving forward that will make them next to nothing. And there's a whole heap of things. So the emissions are just to- coming from computers, just power. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So that is interesting that, that emissions is something that gets pinned to, to this world so heavily. And it's yeah. almost like, you know, you can start looking at the people who are, you know, this, this kind of uh, economy might be disrupting are actually people that are relying on carbon emissions anyway, you know, like yeah. heavily. So, you know, you start going into tinfoil's hat off, tinfoil hat off everyone. But, you know, we, it is, it is, it is um, common knowledge nowadays that the idea of a digital, uh, the idea of a uh, carbon footprint was actually, you know, a, a concept created by BP in the sense of, you know, let's put this back on the individual as yeah, opposed yeah, to the, the, you know, yeah. the million barrels of oil we just spilt in, yeah. the, in the, you know, in the well, Mexican like Gulf. The, the blockchain technology is so disruptive to the financial system, to all these yeah. different things. So mm-hmm. I think if there's any group of individuals who are using it or artists, I think uh, are, are a good and a generally ethically kind of sound yeah. group that are really concerned with these kind of issues. So yeah. I think it's something that pressure from those people kind of drives, yeah. will drive yeah, change. Right. It's just power at the end of the day. Yeah, so yeah. it's how, how do we find power that doesn't, you know, doesn't result in fucking coal mines power stations. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, like not to go too deep into it, but, you know, the, the concern more is with Ethereum as a blockchain, which is, you know, like um, a proof of work versus proof of stake. And basically the approval process of each transaction that goes through requires someone to approve it, which is mm-hmm. where the electricity comes into power so yeah look ultimately you know less as we sort of explore the realm of all of this we'll get more efficient but it's nothing to what's any different from you know driving a car to purchasing something on a debit card in in you know um, in redfern you know like having a a cool room at the back of your house with a 60 inch flat screen and an air-conditioned living room (laughs) which is the dream (laughs) scott spa (laughs) yeah yeah my my bunnings jacuzzi bro i bought this bunning jacuzzi it's the greatest thing i've ever bought a bunnings hot tub yeah that's 700 bucks i've ever spent in my life that sounds like a 14 day isolation job i think Well, we look forward to seeing how the 6969 Bin Kings goes, yeah. gentlemen. This is a brave new world. And you've, maybe you've... Our, our next book will be an NFT. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. We'll make yeah. one copy for the biggest yeah. sicko in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he'll have to give us 10 of those Bitcoins. <laughs> Let's take the Batuta to, to the virtual world. That's well, what I'm thinking. Yeah, look, you know, we, you know where our, our ears are open. Uh, again, thank you for using as clear a language as you could for both us and the listener. But yeah, I think I have a pretty good gauge on this thing now. Uh, maybe time to invest in a six-story virtual apartment block <laughs> yeah. in the multiverse. Well, well, actually, one of the other things that we're doing with this Bing Kings project is we're actually building a Bing King 
sanctuary in Decentraland that will be there for eternity. So okay. that you can go visit that sanctuary, hang out with the the bin chickens and and the rest of the bin kings. Well, thanks for joining us today, fellas. What an interesting and insightful discussion. Yeah. Awesome, boys. Thanks for having us. Under. All right. I look forward to seeing some of these bin kings flying around. Yeah. <laughs>